Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Let's go. Another episode of the College Sports Podcast for the fans, by the fans. It's none other than Blue Bloods College Game Time. It's Trey Smith. And it's Brandon Holmes. Once again, Blue Bloods College Game Time. Welcome to the podcast. It's for the fans, by the fans. Trey, we are hyped up. Your boy is feeling good. I've been sipping the blue Kool-Aid Michigan football, baby. We back. We back. Well, you know, I'm getting hype about this game old Arkansas's got coming up uh, next weekend, seeing if we can beat the old Aggies for the first time in a decade. But B. Holmes, before we even get to the episode, we've had a crazy weekend. We've had a phenomenal crazy weekend. We've had a crazy weekend. So listeners right now, we just want to let you know, I mean, we've hit Sports Illustrated. So we had a video featured on SI Hogs, Razorbacks, um, that if you go to our Twitter or if you follow my Twitter, go to at it's Trey Smith. I've got it posted. You could see the link. We're going to get that up on our Instagram at Blue Blood yes, CGT. Go to either one and you can see um, what we've got going with uh, SI Sports Illustrated. Pretty exciting. So Man, we'll have more on news. that in the future as we uh, kind of develop that partnership with them. And who knows what could happen, B, man. Blue Bloods, college game time. I mean, It's going everywhere. But in the meantime, until we're everywhere, guys, make sure you like and subscribe. We're on YouTube now. We're dropping clips all throughout the week. So make sure you follow us on YouTube, Blue Bloods, college game time. Subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all those things, man. We need you guys to like and subscribe because we are getting ready to take over the national landscape of college football. I'm just declaring it, right? here man college sports and in, in, college in, in sports entirety. in general man I, I believe in, man. it i receive it well let's get to week three let's just let's, let's just go around three. the country and let's hit a top 25 rundown a top 25 score report you take the odds be homes i'll take the evens let's go all right, man, we're going to come out kicking out the gate strong, man. We had the big SEC showdown, Alabama versus Florida. Alabama takes that one 31-29. Incredible game if you watched it, man. I don't know if you did, but I enjoyed it. I have a little something to say on that later, man. But, you know, I know what you say. Nobody's beating Bama, but Brandon has a bold – I'm known for it. I have a bold prediction on some stuff with Bama, but we'll cover that a little bit later. But that was a great game yesterday with Bama. Well, in case you haven't heard, you're not beating Bama. So <laughs> I just got to throw that in there. All right. Well, I'm going to hit uh, number two, Georgia over South Carolina, 40 to 13. I'll tell you what, those Bulldogs, those Bulldogs, in my opinion, Ooh. just based off yesterday, they've made a case to be the number one team in the country, even though I still believe that you're not beating Bama. 
Oof, they look tough. They look tough. Uh, number three, Oklahoma beats Nebraska 23-16. Tight, mm, tight I game. I got more on that one. I, I, Yeah, you had a lot to say. We were texting about that yesterday. Um, Great pick, though. One of the greatest picks from DJ Graham Ooh. I've probably ever seen. Great highlight. We'll probably drop that on the Instagram and Twitter later this week. But, man, great game. Oklahoma takes Nebraska. Funny story about that interception was I, uh, I was sending – the article to a buddy that we were featured on on Sports Illustrated. And I just yeah. sent the text. I was like, bro, dot, 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 to set it up. And he said, I already know. And I was like, oh, dang, news travels fast. <laughs> he said, that interception. And I was like, oh, no, 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 not oh, that. No, 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 not that. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of funny. Uh, and then we got number four, Oregon, taking on the mighty Stony Brook. Beat them yes. 48 to 7. I- I'll tell you what. Um, uh, another buddy of mine on Twitter, shout out to Derek Jackson. He said, man, it's going to take a special person to get Oregon up for Stony Brook after going yeah. into Ohio State's <laughs> building and uh, taking care of business last weekend. So he's like, I'm sure those kids had no interest in playing that game, but sure. they took care of business, keeping the Pac-12 on the map. And that's what good teams do. Moving on to number five, man. Uh, five, man. Iowa, man. My sleeper pick in the Big Ten. Well, one of them from the Big Ten West. They take care of business with Kent State, 30-7. to seven. I think they had something like seven sacks in that mm. game, man. That defense is playing strong. They're, it's the typical Iowa team. Defense, and we're going to pile right. the football. So, I like what they see. I'm interested to see what happens as we go into Big Ten play. Yeah, the typical Iowa team that when they finally play a team that's athletic, they'll lose. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, oh, number six, Clemson squeaks by Georgia Tech 14 to Oof. eight. I know you've got a little something to say about that later when we get to our weekly recap. Uh, uh, one of our one of our segments on that. So I'm not going to say much else, but Clemson 14 eight over Georgia Tech in a game that I believe had a weather delay uh, as well. Yes. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, and I got a lot to say about that later, but we're going to keep on moving. Number seven, A&M, man, they just take care of business. Not much to say there. They did pay their backup quarterback. Their starting was hurt, but they ended up taking care of business against New Mexico, 34-0. Shout out to A&M. Big game against your boys in Ooh. Arkansas next week, man. So I know they're geared up and ready to go. Big game next weekend. Uh, we got the number eight Cincinnati Bearcats beat Indiana 38-24. That game was actually a lot closer than what the final score is showing. Um, yes. In fact, Indiana was leading for much mm-hmm. of that game. It was a back-and-forth game, but then Cincinnati uh, there in the end was able to uh, pull away and you know win by a couple possessions. Yep. Now, moving on to number nine, this game actually was a lot closer than the score says. It was just some some uh, garbage time. That's number nine, Ohio State beats Tulsa 41-20. I watched that game until about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, it was actually a tight game. Man, and here's the key thing in, in that developing headline. What did I say about Ohio State's defense? Shaky. Kerry Combs, the defensive coordinator, didn't even call the defense yesterday. So, mm. I mean, there's some things brewing in Columbus, man. We'll see what happens as they enter Big Ten play. Man, yes, we will. Well, uh, I'll take these next two. We've had number 22 Auburn versus number 10 Penn State. And I'll tell you what, I've actually got more to say about this. But right now, all I'm going to say is it is officially on my bucket list to attend a Penn State whiteout game. Penn State won 28-20. Great game. Incredible atmosphere. Getting back to your statement from two episodes ago about neutral site Mm -hmm. games having no place in college football. There's no way you get the atmosphere you had at that whiteout game last night than if it was on a neutral site. So, and then, uh, 
Mm, I also got to unfortunately talk about this one as well. Notre Dame beat Purdue. Number 12, Notre Dame beat Purdue 27-13. That game was also close. Purdue just couldn't capitalize on some opportunities that they had. I'll talk more about that game, or I'll revisit that game when we get to our bold prediction review a little bit. Awesome, man. Moving on to number 13, UCLA versus Fresno. Now, Fresno was a team you told us to look out for, I believe, in week one. You called it. You said they were a solid team. You actually picked them to upset. I can't remember who they played on the top of my head. Oregon, yep. You said they were a good team, and, man, they did what they came to do. Fresno State upsets number 13, UCLA, UCLA mm. 40 to 37, man. Shout out to Fresno State and Pac-12, man. Pack twelve. That's all I have I to know. say. Well, we we'll get well, hey we'll get to that with our mailbag right after we finish this score report. So, uh, number fourteen, Iowa State, forty-eight to three over Your UNLV. Team. Yippee! That. <laughs> Hey, fight, hey, the fighting aims. I know Iowa State. Trey Smith is your biggest <laughs> fan. He's your biggest fan. Moving along here, man. We got Virginia Tech, man, number 15. Loses in a rivalry game to West Virginia. They get upset 27-21. to 21. I actually almost picked them as the team to get upset, but I didn't even know if it's fair. You know, Virginia Tech is always Virginia Tech. They look strong. They'll pull up the crazy upset they're not supposed to win, and then they'll fumble one later down the road. Well, and then we had Coastal Carolina win a nail biter against Buffalo, twenty-eight twenty-five. I didn't. I'm not even mentioning Coastal Carolina in a later segment. But if you think Coastal Carolina is the 16th best team in the country, you're an idiot. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, I'm looking at the rest of the layout right here. They would not beat Ole Miss. They would not beat BYU. I don't think they'd beat Arkansas. I don't think they'd beat North Carolina. Uh, I definitely don't think they'd beat Michigan State, who's not even ranked, and they definitely wouldn't beat Michigan. So. That's just my quick opinion on it. I'm not talking about them in the overrated segment. I've got a couple other teams I'm going to mention. But anyways, they did win. They're still undefeated. Congratulations. You beat Buffalo by three points. Hey, there we go, man. Well, we'll keep it moving. Your boys down in Ole Miss. Shout out to my man, Tommy Brooker, big Ole Miss guy. Ole Miss yes. takes care of business, 61-21 over Tulane, man. Shout out to those guys. Interesting as we get into SEC play, what they're going to look like, man. I like them. I like Matt Cole. Oh, I, I think he's I've nice. got a little. I've got a little tidbit on Ole Miss uh, in a later segment in this episode. Uh, actually, you got the next game too, B. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had, oh, man, we had BYU versus Arizona State. BYU takes care of business. 27-17, man, BYU has started out strong. Man, they beat Utah and then, what is it, the Holy War for the first time in nine years to come Mm. back off of winning that big game to beat Arizona State in Pac-12 after dark. I think uh, the Storm and Mormons, man, we got to keep an eye on them throughout the rest of the season. They may shock some people. They might. And then, of course, the number 20 Arkansas Razorbacks took care of business against Georgia Southern. If you want a full recap, you can go to Hog Sports Illustrated, and you might see your boy in a video at the top of the featured article. So (laughs) that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Then we got our boys, Mac Brown in North Carolina, man, took care of business against Virginia, 59-39, almost dropped a whole 60-piece on those boys, man. I like that. Mm. Good for them. Not too much to say outside of that as they're getting inside of a messy ACC play starting, I think, next week. So shout out to North Mm. Carolina on that one. And then, of course, the mighty fighting Mel Tuckers, the Michigan State Spartans, they took care of business against the number 24 Miami Hurricanes, beating them 38-17. I know you're going to have more to say about that when we get to our bold prediction review, so I'm going to just leave it at that for right now. 
awesome. And then last but not least, man, my mighty boys in blue down in A2 yeah. Ann Arbor handled business, almost set the record for the most rushing touchdowns in a game. And Michigan takes care of business, Northern Illinois, 63-10. to 10. It was a exciting, boring game, and that's exactly what I needed to kick my weekend <laughs> off right. But good job to my boys in blue. Shout out to – shout out – man, we got – we might – I don't want to spill the beans. We got some exciting things coming in the works, man, <laughs> potentially with Michigan. So, man, that, hey, that's just, that's the score report, man. I think, Trey, we're about to there kick it over go. to the mailbag. We mail got a bag. big mailbag question, man. Why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know what we're talking about today? Well, before I even say what the mailbag question is, I just want to say that literally overnight, I had to throw all my notes. I was so ready for this segment 24 I hours ago. 24 hours ago, I mean, I felt like I had some fire for this segment. And then after the late night games played out, now I've, I'm in a totally different... This segment's probably going to go from being 10 minutes to two minutes, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. our mailbag for this week is this. Is the Pac-12 a serious contender for the college football playoff, the CFP? They have not represented, been represented in the CFP yet. I believe they are the only Power Five conference that is yet to represent, except for, wait, maybe the first year. 2015, Oregon. 2015, Oregon versus Lost Ohio State. Lost to Ohio State. So yeah. other than that, they've pretty much gone ghost on the CFP. So B. Holmes, you want to kick this one off? Yeah, man. So like you said, if you'd asked me last week, I was high on the big Ooh. on the Pac-12, man. But I that's why we waited Oregon. a week. That's what that is. You did say it. You said, let's wait a week. Because I liked Oregon, man. And Oregon's still undefeated. I like what they got. I like what Cristobal has going on out there in Eugene, man. I think he's building mm. um, a strong culture. Even Thibodeau, who's going to be the number one overall pick projected in this next year's NFL draft, has not played in two weeks. So, shout out to Oregon for taking care of business. The thing that shocked me yesterday, man, was Chip Kelly in UCLA. I mean, yes, Fresno State's a good team. But, man, you just coming off beating LSU, just coming off dominating week one. Like, I expected at least UCLA and Oregon to hold up the end of the bargain. We know the mess that's happening at USC right now. Um, and here's the thing that I'm going to say. They're not back, and I don't know if they ever are going to get the res- – if they'll even get respected, let me say this, because I don't mm. want to say the respect they deserve. I don't think they res- deserve respect just yet. But you got to get USC back. That is the key to the Pac-12. If USC is humming, then they have the respect. We have to be honest, in my personal opinion, every conference has those set of teams that if they're not doing well, you don't really look at them. Like the, the Big 12, most people overlook it outside of OU. Now, if OU and Texas are playing well, man, people mm. are high on the Big 12. If USC is playing well, people are high on the Pac-12. You know, the Big Ten, I'm going to be honest to say it, we've been carried by Ohio State and Penn State for the last couple years. SEC, Bama, and whoever else decides to be good that year. That's right. So I don't think the Pac-12 – now, I think if Oregon runs the tables, you got to honor it. They went on the road. They went to the horseshoe. They went to Columbus. They took care of business. So you have to honor that. But I don't think – Outside of that, there's really a team that like kind of scratches the itch that makes me want to see. And I'm going to go on a limb and say this, Trey. Oregon isn't exactly like an eye-popping name that most people really want to see. We know them for their jerseys. We know them because that's where Nike's headquarters is at. But it's Chip not like Kelly people era. are – Yeah, Chip Kelly era. But it's not like people are going to knock the doors down to go see – because we have to admit it's still a money grab, right? People want it. Yeah. Revenue. Revenue matters. And the team that has to get 
back in order for the Pac-12 to be taken seriously is USC. Can't be UCLA. Mm. Can't be can't be Oregon. It has to be USC, which I think this is why who they hire, and we're going to talk about this later, but who they hire is super important, not just for their program relevance, but for the relevance of their conference. Mm. Well, I think two things. Okay. okay. Getting back to this question, are they a serious contender? First off, I need to just address UCLA. Why on earth did Chip Kelly not wear his visor last night? Oh, you're right. He I mean, visor hat. Chip Kelly is immortal. <laughs> That's true. And he goes That's into <laughs> a potential upset game, and he was wearing a black regular baseball hat. So it that was just true. a regular hat, not one of his visors, where – he just dominated LSU. He's been getting this team on the roll. People are starting to pay attention to UCLA football and visor Chip Kelly. And then he goes out, puts on a regular hat, and loses. And now no one's going to care about what they do the rest of the way. So that piece, I don't understand. I'm not quite sure what his thinking was on that. But right. it really disappointed me because I was ready to come on this segment and really talk about how they have two potential teams and – Really, that's what a yes. conference needs if you want to get representation. But here's what my my thought is. Okay. Obviously, Oregon is going to be the only hope for the Pac-12 to get representation. The reason why I do think they are, the Pac-12, that they alone can help the Pac-12 be a serious contender is because I think that the Big 12 is not going to have representation. So here's what it's going to boil mm. down to. Okay, It's going to boil down to this. Does Notre Dame continue to run the table as they scratch and claw to their, you know, three to 10 point wins? Because it's, it's, I'm going to talk about it right in a little bit, but it's going to come down to, to Notre Dame. Okay. When I, when I revisit my, my bold prediction. All right. Okay. Because if they run the table the rest of the year, regardless of their strength of schedule, they will be in the college football playoff. All right. Yeah. And yes. then I believe that the SEC has a great, Great opportunity or a huge argument could be made to get two teams in, especially if Georgia runs the table. And then I think between Georgia and Bama, obviously one of them is going to lose in the SEC championship. You know who I think it is it's going to lose. But right. the other one will probably get in as that four seed or three seed or whatever. So now that, that absorbs three spots. So that four spot now is going to have to go to someone in either the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC. Mm-hmm. The ACC, you're going to talk about. When we get to overrated. Yes. Yes. Okay. The big 12 I'm going to talk about when we get to overrated. So that is where I think Oregon, because of really where the ACC and big 12 seem to be lacking this year, that's where I think that they could slide in as long as they continue to take care of business. But to be honest with you, there's another team that I think is going to be in that top four. Okay. Coming from the big 10 that. I'm going to speak about during my surprise segment. And that's where I do think that it's going to be really tough for a team like Oregon is because I think they're the Pac-12 or whoever is going to be contingent on what Notre Dame does. Because unfortunately, Notre Dame is going to get one of those Mm. spots if they run the table. And they don't have to play a conference championship. It's just, it's how the media works. It's how it is. It's Notre Dame. It's to your point, it's always a money grab. So I do think you're going to see a, a case for two SEC teams plus Notre Dame. And then really the other four Power Five conferences competing for that last spot. That's a scenario no, that's we could see. So that's all I've got. Mm. If you want to get into this week uh, week three recap, 
yeah, let's get into the week three recap. So let's remind those listeners what a week three recap is. It's we always go yes. over our bold predictions that we made. We go over who is our biggest surprise, and then we go over our overrated. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh. we we got to enter the clip in there, so we don't have to do that every week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we go over those three. So man, do you you want to just jump into man your bold predictions and kind of cover that from this past week? Yep, um, and then it kind of tie right into what I was just talking about. So I my first bold prediction was Purdue over Notre Dame. Because as I mm-hmm. talked about last week, I do think Notre Dame is overrated. However, I yes. watched a good part of that game, and Purdue mm-hmm. had a lot of opportunities to oh, win yeah. and take advantage and, and to come away with an upset. But Notre Dame is just that team that they have this like uncanny ability to just play to the level of their competition, right? But then right. all of a sudden you look up and they're 8-0 or they're 9-0. <laughs> and then it's like right, they get right. this – tremendous boost of confidence and then it's like they blow teams out for the last two or three games and then they take their week off for the conference championships and let all those guys beat each other up they get either the second third or fourth seed in the cfp usually it's the second or third seed and then they end up getting dominated by either bama or clemson or whoever it will be now because of how things are laying out, could this be a time where Notre Dame could make some noise in the college football playoff? My take is no, I don't think so. Could I mm-hmm. see them continuing to scratch and claw away and just gutting out win after win after win, and then all of a sudden we look up and they're 8-0 like they've shown a tendency yeah. to do in the past, and then they get that confidence boost and dominate their last few games that are usually against lesser opponents? Yeah, sure, I could definitely see that. Right. So. I definitely missed that one. In fact, I was 0 for 2 this week in my bold predictions. I mean, I really thought Purdue coming in confident, uh, playing the way they've been playing, their quarterback, they've got a stud receiver. I just thought they were going to do it, and they did not, um, as we already discussed in the uh, Top 25 score report. And then my other one, man, uh, I had Jackson State over ULM. You know, I thought Good maybe day, the HBCU man. would come in and take care of a uh, FBS team. And to be honest with you, B, like I watched that game as well. I had that was on my iPad game because they usually are mm-hmm. on like ESPN three. So I'll have that right. on my iPad while I had the Penn State Auburn game on, on the big screen. But I was pretty locked into it and their defense looked great. They lost their stud linebacker who was a transfer from Florida, uh, from the Florida okay. Gators who's been dominating all season. They lost him in the first quarter to a targeting penalty. And so that Ugh. really obviously hurt. However, it's not like their uh, defense just struggled the rest of the way. Cause let me see if I can pull up the final score. Um, it's like 12, seven or something. It was, really yeah, close. it was a one possession game in the end and it was 12, seven. That's right. 12, seven. So, and here's how it finished. Jackson State was receiving a punt with about le- a little less than two minutes to go. So I thought, here we go. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to see if Shador Sanders can lead his team to victory. They fumble. They still Ugh. got the ball back with like now only like 20 or 30 seconds remaining. And then Shador Sanders tried to spike it with only two seconds on the clock, which you can't do that. Anything three seconds or less, they just end the game. So basically yeah. the game ended on a spike that was was made with not enough time left. But I'm going to tell you this, B. Holmes, and I'm going to be keeping my eye on this. Shador Sanders had a lot of opportunities in that game to will his team to victory. And look, the quarterback is just one player, right? Right. He's right. just one guy. 
and I don't know if it's the guys that are around him just weren't weren't providing any help, but they really stifled him. That ULM defense. I mean, that yeah. Jackson State offense looked a lot like it did in Week One against FAMU, and. Mm. So, so on one hand, I'm thinking last week they figured it out. Shador came out and dominated. But then this week it looked like a rehash of week one. So I'm yeah. wondering as Jackson State gets into conference play, like who are they? Are they going to be a team that just solely relies on their defense all season? Or are they going to be able to get that offense back in rhythm, which obviously is going to rise or fall on uh, the arm of Shador Sanders? Because don't get me wrong, the kid can make his passes. The kid can throw um, – but man, it just last night he he struggled and their offense really struggled. Obviously, I'm sure Coach Prime is in the film room right now figuring out how right, right. they need to make and correct the make make the corrections they need to make. But uh, man, I was pulling for him. I was hoping they do it. But here's yeah, a little here. uh, you, you want a little fun fact on ULM? Yeah, let's do it. Their head coach is Terry Bowden. Okay, the Literally. son of the yeah, of the yeah. late great Bobby, Bobby Bowden. And their offensive coordinator, do you have any idea who it is? No, I wouldn't know. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't know that at all. I'll give you a hint. It's a former Michigan head football coach. Rich Rodriguez? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would have never guessed that. (laughs) So I learned that last night. Interesting. uh, which makes sense because I mean, not like the I mean, the, the team did play with an edge and a toughness. I mean, obviously their offense wasn't just lighting it up either. Right, but uh, right. yeah, I saw Rich Rod was their offensive coordinator. So, anyways, that's my yeah. that's my bold bold prediction review. What about you? You actually yeah, uh, got a dub on one of them, I think. I did. I went one for one, man. So my my first one, let's just kind of cover it, was OU versus Nebraska, man. Um, That was the big Mm. one. And I felt it all week. We were texting about it. I was like, I think Nebraska has it in them. I think Nebraska has it in them. And honestly, if you watch this game and I got – um, some people were in my, my mentions, um, these OU fans that I know, you know, uh, we knew. And here's the thing that irritated me about it, right? They waited till the game was over to say something. It was like, oh, you weren't talking trash when you guys were sh- like when Nebraska was shooting themselves in the foot. You were literally waited till the game was over to say they're like, that's right. We weren't losing. I'm like, where was this energy during the game? Because I know you hey, saw it. They, they need to go watch that clip of MJ on the last dance when he's 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 got a cigar and his baseball bat. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, t- a t- sign of a good man if you can talk right, right. while you're behind right, while or you're, the score is right. tied. You know what I mean? That's they, 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 they exactly. need to go watch that little clip. You need to go watch that clip. And so, I mean, we watched the game. We were texting during that game. Nebraska was just shooting themselves in the foot. And I'll give Scott Frost this: he designed a great game plan, man. He designed a great game plan. He put Nebraska in a position as far as play calling to win. Nebraska could just not stop shooting themselves in the foot. And before the season started, I was really high on Spencer Rattler, man. Really high. I think he was going to be the potential number one overall pick. Um, you know, Lincoln mm. Riley and his um, reputation with quarterbacks. I mean, he went from Baker to Kyler to Jalen. I mean, Spencer was supposed to be the next guy. And he's, I don't want to say look pedestrian, but he looks like his ceiling is a little bit lower than those other guys. I mean, mm. now he made some throws that I was like, wow. That's an amazing. Yeah. I mean, the arm talent is there. But then it's like mm. the decision making, the moxie, the poise. It's Something's missing, and so I'm gonna say it. I'm still not sold on OU. I think if somebody somebody can get them, it's just gonna depend on who. And now now we know where they're entering into the Big Twelve play. I don't know. 
Big 12, you know, oh, you could lose a game. It's going to be like 69 to 63. We don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm just not super high on them. I feel bad for Nebraska. Um, man, they're actually a decent team. They just mm. can't get out of their own, own way. way. And yeah. I don't know if they'll do it soon enough to allow Scott Frost to sit on that seat. I think if he wins this game, the whole Scott Frost narrative changes. Nebraska's mm. now 3-1. and one. You can look at the loss to Illinois like, hey, it was Russ. They came out. But, man, to lose the way they did to Nebraska was just typical Scott Frost era. And so sad to see that, especially as they're entering into Big Ten play. It's about to get rough because um, the Big Ten looks really strong this year. Now, my mm. second one, man. I was pumped. Mm-hmm. I called it. We talked about it all week. I had a friend who's a Miami fan. He went to the game yesterday, so we're texting to my boy Edwin. I've shouted him out before. The Fighting Mel Tuckers, baby. Let's go. The Fighting <laughs> Mel. And here's where I feel conflicted, Trey. Michigan I want to root for Sparta so bad. <laughs> like, I want to re- root for them so bad. Like, I find myself like, oh, my God, let's go. And I'm like, I hate like, hear me, hear me, listeners. I hate Michigan State. Hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. Don't like them at all. But Mel Tucker, man, I love the guy. Mm. And you know what? He said something. I listened to the past game, uh, post game presser, and he says this. He says, hey, man, um, they're like asking about the humidity and playing in Florida. And he goes, we wanted them, we wanted to take them to the deep end where we knew they couldn't survive. We mm. knew we were prepared for it. And I texted you this during the game. I looked at his play sheet call his car and on the back it says it takes what it takes and i'm mm. telling you they play with that type of emphasis we're going to get gritty we're going to get dirty we're going to play aggressive we're going to play strong and i'm telling from the the moment the game started i watched like the first series and i go michigan state's going to win this game you mm. can see the fire you can see the hunger you can see the grit you, that team is mel tucker's team and I, I just love it man well, on Mel Tucker, that guy to me reminds me of all the 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 there there used to be like this viral bit like maybe a decade and a half ago about Chuck Norris, right? There were all these Chuck yeah, Norris yeah, jokes. Yeah, 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 the Chuck and, Norris jokes. <laughs> and like, you know, Chuck Norris doesn't squeeze oranges. He simply looks at the orange until it, you know, it squeezes produces the something. juice for him. <laughs> so it's like I'm thinking it's the same thing with Mel Tucker. It's like little boys wear Superman pajamas when they go to sleep at night. Superman wears Mel Tucker pajamas when right, he goes exactly. to sleep at night. You know, like, <laughs> like he's that kind of just like he's aura and presence. Because I could care less about Michigan State. I have no dog in the fight with them at all. But I pull for him. I cheer for him because of him. And so, and you see it, man. You talk. We've been saying it since we started this podcast. That team takes on the identity of their head coach. And boy, Michigan State is a perfect example of a team that is carrying on the toughness, tenacity, and relentlessness that their head coach possesses. So, all right, uh, overrated. You want to start or you want me to go? Yeah, I'll start. But before we jump into the overrated, hey, make sure you guys are liking and subscribing everything you're hearing here. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Go follow us. That's Blue Bloods, College Game Time college game time on youtube make sure you subscribe man we appreciate all you guys doing we're gonna do a couple more drops and plugs because man we love the support but as i jump into overrated i mean oh yeah we're not overrated right are overrated here's my overrated for the week the boy dabo sweeney and the clemson tigers now shots now for the better part of this decade trey we've looked they've been competitive what did they play in something crazy like three back-to-back national title games? Um, yeah. 
they've always kind of been competitive this decade. Dabble's always had his boys ready to go. They've had talent that come through. Great quarterback through play. There. Great quarterback play. And here's the thing. Everybody was real. I was high on DJ, and I like DJ. I want DJ to do well, man. Comes from uh, John Bosco out in the, off the West Coast. Um, and I remember this last year, right? Everyone was saying, like, was he going to push Trevor Lawrence? What was mm-hmm. Dabo going to do to get DJ in the game because of how good he is? And, man, Clemson has just looked purely mediocre. Now, I tried to mm. give what the first game they played, Georgia. I tried to just chalk it up. It's Georgia. Georgia looks unreal on defense this year. They look right. unreal. Yeah, um, but then I watched, I watched this team play Georgia Tech last yesterday, right, last night. And this is the same Georgia Tech team that lost to Northern Illinois that Michigan just beat 63-10. to 10. So this shouldn't have been even a close game. And really, I think – they were actually about to lose, but the I don't know if you saw it. The fourth play call that Georgia Tech made at the end of the game was terrible. Like, they should have mm. tested the edge. And so, I'm looking at Clemson, man, and I had to ask. I'm like, is this era over? Like, mm. is 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 this era over for Dabo and Clemson? Because we mm. know they have made their mark on high-powered, efficient offenses, man. They got dudes that can go make plays. They got athletes they're going to put in space. They always have really good quarterback play. I mean, I'm going to take us back. You got to remember like Tosh Boyd. Like Tosh was the dude. You had Deshaun Watson. Like Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. All these guys for the past decade, man. These are Clemson Tigers. And I'm looking at that team and I'm like, who's your guy? Like who right. who's your guy? Like you used to be able to look at Clemson and say, that's the quarterback and that's their receiver, there's that's three the running of them. back. Yeah. Yeah. Four there, of them. There's always somebody. And um I just I just for me, I think they're overrated. I think the ACC in in, in its entirety this year is overrated, but I always expect the kind of Clemson to do what they do. And man, if I'm being honest, they just looked mediocre and I don't if that's the case and from whatever what everything else we've seen in the ACC, I don't think they have anybody that's willing to even compete in the CFP this year. And Clemson, who probably would have been their best bet, unless Dabo just kind of figures it out middle mm-hmm. of the season, which I don't think he can. I'm not really sold on DJ just yet. Maybe maybe it's the offensive play call. I don't know what it is. I just well, don't think Clemson has it. What, what I think it is is that, and I said this in an earlier episode, like Clemson has always just been a team that could just do what they do. Mm-hmm. You did and, say this. And like, they could always just rely on the fact that the guy they have on their side of the field is going to be better than the guy that's lined up on the other side of the field. And so, I mean, whatever play we call, they can know it's coming, but they can't stop us. And I feel like that's something they've been able to build an identity on, on both sides of the ball, Right. where now maybe, maybe just, I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously you hit a hotbed of talent for so many years that maybe the guys, maybe the guys right now, like, they don't have quite that ability and it's been a challenge maybe for the coaching staff because they're like, man, we're recruiting the same level caliber of players, but you still just don't know what that kid's going to turn into until it's actually time to lace them up and get on the field. So I think that could be part of it real quick. Um, we skipped the weekend surprise, so we'll do that right after overrated. Uh, normally we go bold oh, yeah. prediction reviews, weekend surprise, then overrated. That's my fault. I, I, just realized that while you were talking. So I'll go ahead and do my overrated and then my weekend surprise. You can do your weekend surprise and we'll hit true minute drill. So let's do it. My, my weekend overrated is, is OU and you've already kind of <laughs> talked about them a little bit. And let me just clarify this as well. Um, especially from last week. Cause I got a little bit of flack when I, when I was talking about Notre Dame and um, 
You did. Like, you did. We're not saying overrated does not mean you're saying it's a bad football team. So, like, for me, I'm not saying OU is a bad football team. I'm saying they're overrated. Right. OU has a very good football team. OU will probably yeah. win the Big 12. But if you think OU is the third best team in the nation, I feel like you're sadly, sadly mistaken. Now, I'm not going to call you an idiot because, you know, there's a reason OU's ranked that high, and a lot of it has mm -hmm. to do with their recent history and who their coach is and who their quarterback is, and a lot of it's based on, I believe, what the potential for them to have this season. But just early right. on, what they've shown, they are not the third best team in the country. They're just not. Not even close. Not even so close. I'm sorry, OU fans, but your team is not that good. They're good. They'll probably win the conference, but right now, as it stands today, you can't convince me that they're the third best team in the country. And so I do think that there's a good chance that they're going to lose a conference game, maybe two. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. Ooh, I think they're going to lose to the Longhorns. I think they're really? going to lose to the Longhorns. I do. I think that that rivalry game always gets a little weird, no matter how good or bad each team true. is. That is true. Um, not that OU hasn't just blown Texas out time again here and there. Right. I just have a feeling that this might be a year where they lose that game. And I also think, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, I think they also got to watch out for a team like Iowa State. Um, yes. Who's going to be very strategic and calculated at how they attack the weaknesses of OU. And I say that because OU's weaknesses have really been on display here early on in the season. You already Definitely. said this, but I'm going to say it again. Nebraska did everything possible to lose that game. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were a complete disaster, whether it was penalties, <laughs> mishaps, poor execution. Like, they did everything to beat themselves and still in the end had a chance to win. I mean, they still, still in the end had the possession, one possession down, their ball, time on the clock with a chance to go down and at least tie the game, maybe win it if Frost would have chose to go for two. But then it was a sack, sack, game over. I mean, right. I, I'm just thinking, though, as bad as Nebraska played, as bad as they beat themselves, the fact that they were still in that game, I mean, that, that should – cause some alarm and some red flags for OU and their fans. Um, so that's it for overrated. Let's get to weekend surprise. I've got, I've got two weekend surprises I want to talk about. My first one is Penn State. Not because I'm surprised that they won that game. That, that is not what I was surprised about. But my surprise, if we're just talking about them in general, is this is a team that could do it this year. And... The way everything's laid out, mm -hmm. they're the Big Ten team I was referring to earlier that I believe could get into the college football playoff and yep. really make some noise. I mean, I think we could see a Penn State-Alabama national championship game. Now, it would take their Ooh. best foot forward. It would take their, I mean, really continuing to build confidence and get on a roll. And yes, I'm a little emotional because of how great that atmosphere was last night. And like just right, how moving right. and inspiring it was seeing that fan base just going crazy and the stadium being, uh, you know, wide out and all of that. But right. that's a team that they've been knocking on the door 
really since Franklin got there and was able to get his system in place, since James yeah, Franklin's absolutely. been at Penn State and get his system in place, they've been knocking at the door. They get the New Year Six, New Year Six, New Year Six. And I just think with the Ohio State's at, obviously your boys uh, up in Ann Arbor are going to have something to say about this, but I think this Andy really Clancy. could be... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this could really be a year, though, where Penn State makes some noise. It's just... I don't know. I mean, it's like they got to go through the Big Ten ringer to get there. But I think it's if they do, they can, they can, they can maybe make some noise. So Penn State was one, and then my other one, man, is Ole Miss. Um, yeah, they kind of reminded me of the Dallas Cowboys coming into this season. And what I mean by okay. that is, they just needed a defense that doesn't suck, right? Like if last right, year, right. if they just would have had a defense that that wasn't god awful, like they probably would have won even more games than they won. Um, the only thing I question with Ole Miss is will they beat Arkansas? Because it's like there's it's something about Arkansas, and yes, I am an Arkansas fan, but even in the worst <laughs> seven year stretch in our history, we're still five and two against Ole Miss. I don't understand right. that. There's been it's been years where like Ole Miss was a top ranked team, they beat Bama, and then they come in and turn around and lose to Arkansas. Right, right. My honest opinion, though, is they're going to take care of the Razorbacks this year just looking at what their defense is doing. You know with Lane Kiffin and that offense and that quarterback, they're going to make some noise. But uh, that is kind of my big question mark on them. Like, man, are they are they going to beat Arkansas? You know? Right. Let's not talk about Bama or LSU <laughs> or any of these other guys. But they were a, a, a weekend surprise for me because that defense, man, it's it looks stout. And you know their offense was going to be good, so I, I'm I'm very much keeping an eye on not just because they're a conference division opponent of my team, but you mm -hmm. know they're 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 a team I could see maybe kind of subtly making a lot of noise. And by the time we get later on the season, you're looking at going, wait, maybe they're 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 they're, they're trying yeah, to make a, a a statement for the SEC West, but. I'm not ready to make that bold prediction just yet because I still firmly stand by you're not beating Bama. <laughs> well, man, I'm going to go into my uh, my biggest surprise, man. Speaking of your boys, Bama, one of my weekend surprises, right? When we speak about Bama, we've been speaking about Bama three, four weeks now, right? We've mm -hmm. been saying Bama is impenetrable. In, man, I don't even, I'm about to mispronounce the word. It was <laughs> impenetrable. Impen you got it, impenetrable. Impenetrable. There it is. Guys, I did really well on my SATs, actually. So I'm, I'm very intelligent. Just stumbling on that word this morning. But we looked at that, right? I watched the Bama-Florida game. Could there be, this is my biggest surprise, right? Could there be that there's a weak link in the Bama armor? Mm. They have magnificent quarterback play. Magnificent. Bryce Young is the truth. I think Bryce Young is going to be the 2023 number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Put okay. it on wax. When this comes up next year, I want us to replay this clip. I think he's going to be the 2023 number one overall pick in the NFL draft as long as he stays healthy. The mm. offense is immaculate. The thing that I saw, though, the weak link was the run defense of Bama. UF was able to put, I think, something like 284 rushing yards on them. And if you mm. look, if you watch the game early on, like I actually fell asleep. I was having my after win coma from the Michigan game. <laughs> but I wake up at halftime because in, 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 in the early Bama was putting it on them. I'm like, man, I'm about to catch a nap, get ready for this night game. And then what I see is like, wow, 
Florida really was running it on Bama. And it, it made me think, and I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm reading, you know, some of these experts and what they have to say. I'm like, could the run defense be the thing that helps teams at least stay in the game to give themselves a shot? Because Florida mm. was really, they missed an extra point. That's why they had to go for two at the end of the uh. game. If they don't miss the extra point, the game ties. You yeah. got momentum on your side. Maybe you maybe you do the impossible and beat Bama. Maybe. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying someone's going to dethrone them, but I'm saying that was my biggest surprise that there is a weak link, so to speak. Now, we know Saban's a great coach. He's going to try to cover that up. But this is week three, man. I don't know what more you can cover up. If you're going to be weak on run defense, you're just going to be weak on run defense, and it's going to be a bend, not break mentality. So that's just kind of my biggest surprise when it comes to this past weekend. Outside of that, man, I got to say this Georgia defense. Georgia, mm. now my friend Jaron Prince says this every year. We were laughing on Facebook. He's like, this is going to be Georgia's year. And my buddy goes, you say this every year. Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> like, just stop. Every year we hear Georgia's this year. And But I looked at Georgia. I watched him play South Carolina, and it's just South Carolina, right? But South Carolina gives them fits every year. And, man, that defense looks incredible JT Mm. Daniels at quarterback the USC transfer the kid he's going to be a top five pick I believe if as long as he stays healthy and Mm. so I'm I'm going to say man Georgia's defense was the biggest surprise because week one I was like okay they play Clemson we see who Clemson is right they had a tune-up game last week I don't I can't even remember who they played but they came into an SEC foe who normally gives them fits Uh, oh Mercer Uh, no Mercer played Bama last week oh I'm sorry yeah Yes, but Georgia played a team like Mercer last week. Yeah, um, trip, yeah. But then they come in and they dominate South Carolina from the jump. And so yeah. I was really surprised, man. So those are my two biggest surprises, man. Bama has a weak link. Georgia has a stout defense. When these two play each other, I think this is going to show we're going to find out who's going to be the SEC champion this year when those two face off in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Well, um, what's interesting about Bama is that – it's like their identity on some level has shifted from the early years of Saban where their their staple was stopping the run and yep, you know exactly. just dominating and suffocating teams with their defense and then it seems like really as they shifted into like really Tua's era was then it was like okay mm-hmm. well we'll just go we'll just go outscore everybody we'll still play yep. solid good defense and have like great players on the field and first round draft picks all over the field but like we're just going to go outscore everybody. So exactly. that, that's an interesting take and I'll be curious to see how that plays out. So with that being said, B, we've reached that time. It's you time, know what time baby. it is. It's, it's for time the for the true minute, minute drill. Drill. Hey, What's before up? we jump into that, guys, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Find us on YouTube, Blue Bloods College Game Time. Subscribe to us there. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast, man, make you share, like, leave a comment, send to a friend. We appreciate you greatly. Hey, and if anybody wants to sponsor the True Blue Minute, yeah. holla at us, man. Holla at us. We are we are open for business. We are. We're making moves with Sports Illustrated right now. Like, if you want to get in, now is the time. Now is the time, so, man. Come on in. Let's go. So what's the so True Blue Minute this week? We're going to talk about this USC coaching search. So you could say whether who you think they should hire and why. You could say what you think they should be looking for and why, but really anything pertaining to this USC coaching search, because in case you did not know, they fired their coach this week. Uh, they did. Coach Helton, Clay Helton, Clay Helton right? Yeah, I keep Seven wanting to say seasons. his brother's name. Um, but Clay Helton got fired. I posted on Twitter when it happened. You can follow me at It's Trey Smith. But 
Boy, when USC fires a coach, they're always good. they don't always fire a coach, but when they do, they make sure it's in season. It's in the middle of the season, they, baby. <laughs> they left Lane Kiffin at the tarmac. They left. Uh, uh, pretty sure Sarkeesian got cut middle of the season, and then now yeah. Clay Elton getting cut in the season. So, anyways, they're open. Their job is open. There's a lot of candidates being tossed around. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Yeah, let me go first, man. I, I'm, okay. I, I need to get this off my chest. Okay, well, you know the drill. Start on the whistle, end on the end buzzer. On the buzzer. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, USC, this is what you need to do. First, you need to follow me on Twitter at RealBHomes because this is what I told you. If there is a name you need to go get, you need to go get my man, Goat Franklin, a.k.a. James Franklin from Penn State. If you watch what he's done since the moment he stepped foot in Happy Valley, he has transformed that program. He gets them up for big games. He gets the talent he needs to win at Penn State. They have a moxie. They have a swagger. He has the gall to make the big calls in a big moment like if you'd watch the play back of the end zone like third down and three he throws the fade route to the outside where only his wide receiver or you're going to get a P.I. penalty call mm. that's the kind of coach you need but then you also need a coach who can handle Hollywood and James Franklin has the swagger he has the personality he has the boldness to handle Hollywood to recruit at a high level and to coach big games if I'm USC right now I'm calling James Franklin finish the season and come get you a house in Malibu or Beverly Hills, wherever you want to be, and bring USC to the top. All right, money. Okay. Hey, man, I've been sitting on that. I've been, I've been ready to get that off my chest. I see. Well, um, mm-hmm. here I go. I'm, I'm, I, I've got it. a lot of thoughts, but I, I, I'm here. We go. Okay, USC, here's what you need to do. You need to go find a coach that is able to do two things. They are able to connect with the streets and they are able to connect with Hollywood. One of the things that Pete Carroll was legendary for was being able to play both sides of that coin. A lot of folks say that USC must go find a Cali guy and this is why. They talk about the Cali swag. They talk about understanding the kids. The reason why is because it takes the type of personality who on one hand can spend their time in areas that may be a culture shock to them from how they grew up and connect with people in in in, in, in the streets and in, in areas where maybe there's gang affiliations and things of that nature. If you read about Pete Carroll, he had strong relationships in some of the toughest areas of South Central L.A., But then on the flip side, he's getting Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg to all of his practices playing the Hollywood game as well. I'm not from Cali. I've been to Cali. I remember sitting in church where on one side there was Rodney Jerkins, the platinum award-winning producer, uh, Dark Child. And then on the other side, there was a well-known, notorious uh, gang member in the area all on the same row. I'm over time, but that's what I think they need to go get. Man, you know... and. And I know we're getting ready to get out of here, but I will say this. I read this. You're right. USC needs to not worry. I don't think, this is my opinion, you don't got to get the Cali guy. You got to get the right fit. Yeah. It's all about fit. And their last couple guys have been Cali guys because um, I think Helton's like a Cali. He's a, in, he was a, a guy yeah. that was in the system or whatever. I think, man, I'm telling you, they want to win. You go, you, unless you can go get Urban Meyer. Unless you can get Urban. Yeah. Well, he's just so iconic enough to where he'll he'll transcend it, it all. Like in right. my I'm not from there, but I've been there 
like multiple times doing outreaches with Dream Center LA. And so I've seen firsthand how like you can spend your morning with homeless people on Venice Beach, (laughs) or you can spend your your morning in Watts, California on Grape Street at Jordan Downs Community Center outreaching to kids where... I remember one year it was like, we've got to go now because there was someone had caught wind of a, of a, of two local gangs were getting ready. Like yeah. something was getting ready to go down right. and they had to get us out of there. Like, right. and then that evening being on a, a TV show, the it's not, um, whose line is any, whose line is it anyway, but it's, it's the one that Wayne Brady hosted. I can't remember. It was yeah, like yeah, finishing, yeah, it was like finishing a song. So we, yeah, we got to go on. Finish the lyric. Yeah, we got to go on that show, and it actually wasn't Wayne Brady. It was the former lead singer of, I think, Sugar Ray or Sugar, whatever. Oh, the, Mark. Uh, Mark. Yes. Whatever his name is. I know you're talking about. Yes. But, but what I'm saying is, is like, and for me, this born and raised Texas boy, I was like, oh my goodness, like it, it's it's it's, you know, it's like it's the Lord, if man. you don't know how to handle that, you're not going to be able to be successful at USC because it is just a different environment. You've got to understand. Hollywood and you've got to understand the streets like you've got to understand and be the type of person that could come in and know how to communicate and network in both Mm -hmm. worlds and if you pull someone you know Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle from the Midwest I'm not going to say they can't do it but it's going to be extremely difficult for someone that all they know is Midwest culture Midwest slang and Midwest kids to go in that type of of environment where you're literally in one day spending time with people on opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. and really having to be able to one like Pete Carroll he got so much because he wasn't scared like he wasn't scared to right. go into areas that I think a lot of head coaches might be scared to go into absolutely and he just absolutely. went in there and had conversations and that's how he got his in with a lot of the different high schools and a lot of different a lot of the different kids and then he also wasn't scared to go in these celebrity rooms and go <laughs> right. after guys like Will Ferrell and and, and and play the Hollywood game as well and so to me that's the kind of personality that they need and then as it pertains to an X's and O's quit going and trying to find the next sexy offensive guru okay get back right. to your roots of what pete carroll built he built those teams on a strong defense then yeah then they got the reggie bushes then they got the matt liners then they right. you know early on he had the carson palmers i'm not saying they didn't right, have right, right. high octane offenses but he came in and built those defenses in a way where they could anchor those teams down and then his offenses eventually got to a point where they were just scoring ridiculous amount of points a game but like, don't go find the next air raid guy. Like, go find no. you a coach that understands Los Angeles, understands the culture, and 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 then will rebuild that defense. And I'm gonna tell you right now, my my under the radar name is Jack Del Rio. You've been saying that. We texted about that. I said I could I, see I think that. he could do it. He played at USC. He played in the NFL. He coached in the NFL. He had he some success it. as an NFL head coach. He had success as a coordinator. Like I think that's a guy that could come in who understands the culture. That's a guy who can who can understand both sides of the spectrum of yeah. Los Angeles, of, of Southern California, and I think he could have success. Well, we just need to start a coaching search firm, bro, because we give out way too much free game on this podcast. But, man, we want to say thank you guys for joining us for another week of Blue Bloods College Game Time. As always, make sure you like, subscribe. Trey, where can they find you at on Twitter, man? At It's Trey Smith. And you can find me at It's at 
it at, at real b homes find us on instagram yeah. blue blood cgt follow us on youtube man youtube we're dra- dropping content we're working on some other stuff where we can drop some content man throughout the week find yes. us on youtube blue bloods college game time man we are so thankful you guys listen to us and until next week man and i love college hey. college football.